to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you know, if you think about it, there are what I would say three major epochs of human history, and the Holy Spirit inaugurates each and every one of them. So at the very beginning, you have, of course, creation, where He's there hovering over the water. And then the Spirit comes down upon the Blessed Virgin Mary, and she conceives Jesus in her womb, the very Son of God, launching that second epoch, which was the shortest one. It's only 33 years long, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And today we celebrate the launching of the third epoch, the the giving of the Spirit at Pentecost. This now is the age of the church. We are in the last days until Jesus comes again. And as we heard in that second reading, just like we heard last week, that His church is the body, the body of Christ. So listen again to some words from that second reading. Paul writes this, As a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons, and we were all given to drink of one spirit. So through our common baptism, through our common baptism, we are brought into this one body. We're fused into the body of Christ, and we are truly one. And we're given one common gift, which is our faith. Paul said, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But from there, he says, oh, we're very diverse. We're very different people. We're one, but of course, we're not the same. We're not homogenous. We're not all clones of one another. It's all obvious. So last week, as we talked about this, we said we are one body and we are put in different places. Today, what I'd like to talk a little bit more about is that we're one body, and yet we are very different people. And here's the first takeaway for today. Our differences are actually gifts. Now, we might say, well, of course, but mm, think about it a little bit. We struggle with differences. Sometimes we think differences are a bad thing because we have this natural tendency that we want people to be like us, and we want to be with like people. And diversity is a very hot word in our culture today, of course, but the truth is that the Spirit, as He gives this diversity, as He gives these differences, this is all gift. And in fact, this is the diversity that we really truly need to celebrate. And so Paul says this, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God. And the word different that he uses there can sometimes be translated distributions, allotments, varieties. It's because of what the Spirit gives us. These are the different things, the different gifts that we have. St. Cyril of Jerusalem, this came up in my devotions this week, and uh, he writes this. I think this is an interesting analogy. Christ called the grace of the Spirit living water. Water comes down from heaven as rain, and although it is always the same in itself, 
it produces many different effects. One in the palm tree, another in the vine, and so throughout the whole of creation. It adapts itself to the needs of every creature. So let's break these down and look a little closer at each one. First of all, we have different spiritual gifts, he says. Charismata is the Greek word, charisms, which is the same root word where we get the word grace. So we are all given different graces. Some are miraculous charisms, healing and prophecies, uh, uh, gifts speaking in tongues. Other gifts are less spectacular, but certainly critical, things like the gift of encouragement or hospitality or generosity. Some are the gifts to do a particular ministry. For example, you would not want me up here directing the choir and the bells, you know, it just would all be totally random. Other gifts are the gifts or the graces for your state in life. For example, the grace of marriage. So also the grace of being celibate. Paul then says there are different forms of service. And that's a lot of what we talked about last week, that each and every one of us as Christians are called to ministry. You have holy ministry, ordained ministry to to serve God's people, word, and sacrament, to equip the saints, as we said last week, to bring healing to you so that you can then go do your ministry in the places that God has put you. And if you begin to see that, that life is really about ministry, it's about service, it changes how you see and how you do everything. All of a sudden, your life is not about just doing tasks. Because if that's how you see everything you do, is like, I got all these tasks to do. Well, I'm just going to try to get them done ASAP. Or I'm going to try to get somebody else to do these tasks for me. Or I've got so many tasks, it burns me out. And I forget why I'm doing what I'm doing in the first place. And I lose all my joy. Instead, when you start to see, no, I have a vocation. I have a calling. That's different than the job that you do or the task that you have. The the call is always the call to love, to love God, to love each other. And when we begin to see life that way, now we can go back to those jobs and those tasks and do them with great love. So let me give you a couple of examples from just around here at Trinity that may seem a little silly at first, but I hope they can make the point. Because these are little things, but they can be done with great love. We mentioned last week in the announcements, uh, as we are getting back to normal and things are expanding and such, uh, the need for for more uh, volunteers in different areas. One of the things we really like to do this summer is get coffee and donuts going between services again. Now, let me ask you, is that a task or is it a ministry? The ministry of coffee and donuts. (laughs) You don't even need a degree for this. I mean, but but now, I I know, I'm being a little bit facetious, but, but hear me out on this. If it's just a task, well, here's how you make the coffee, and here's how you set out the donuts and make sure everybody's got napkins and blah, blah, blah. Or if it's a ministry, if I begin to see it as service, then all of a sudden what I'm doing is I'm helping to create this atmosphere for conversation and friendship, for reconnecting with each other again and and making new connections. All of a sudden when we see it that way, then making the coffee and setting out the donuts can be done with great love. Here's another quick example. We've got a lot of property. Praise God for that. It's a gift from Him. But we take care of it. I don't know if you've noticed, if you looked out back, there's a lot of landscape rock that has been laid recently, especially around the back courtyard. There's been several folks, thank you to them, who've been coming in on Saturdays to do that. Our National Junior Honor Society from our Lutheran school has been helping out with that. 
Again, is that just a task? Put out the rocks? Is it just a job that has to be done? Or is it making a beautiful outdoor space? A place that can inspire and encourage and, and, and can invite people where we can just gather out there as we continue to develop that for activities and classes and just hanging out with each other. I don't know if you think about your task this way, but even spreading rocks or pulling the weeds or whatever, it can all be done with great love. The third thing Paul talks about are the different workings. This could also be translated activities or even experiences. We may not always see the things we experience in life as gift, especially the hard things, the tragedies that come our way. But if we trust our Lord and we accept those things, even those things as gifts, it'll do a couple of things. First of all, it'll teach us to totally trust Him and to hope always in Him. But then we can even take those tragic experiences of our lives and use them for the good of others. We can take what's happened to us and help them as they go through similar things. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I think, for example, of those of us who have experienced miscarriages, being able to help those who are going through it now and comfort them. Or seasoned parents advising those who are in the thick of it and pulling their hair out, right? Or widows and widowers or others who have lost loved ones banding together in our grief share program. Or those who have experienced divorce and hearts are broken coming to our divorce care. See, what we can do is take those experiences and use them for good for others. Now, let me back up and let's look at all three again because I want to make sure we notice this. Paul says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God. Paul's always putting the Holy Trinity in that, right? The Spirit, the Lord Jesus, and God the Father. The whole point is that God is pouring out His life, His gifts into us. And here's the second takeaway for today then. This one God in three persons is so infinite, that He can give to each of us different gifts, different ministries, different experiences, and it never runs out, and that each one of us is this unique and unrepeatable, or like I like to say, like a fingerprint of God, every one of us, different. He's so infinite, it never runs out. And here's the thing, to me this is very, very humbling, because on one hand, every one of us is replaceable, right? I mean, if something happens to me, something happens to you, this church will, will go on. Somebody else will do the things that, that we do. And yet, on the other hand, it wouldn't be the same. Because only you can bring what God has uniquely given to you. So on the one hand, we're replaceable. On the other hand, we're irreplaceable. What will you do with your irreplaceable unique and unrepeatable gifts, ministry, and experiences. Here's the last takeaway. Verse 7, Paul writes, to each individual the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. To state the obvious, a gift is given to be given. It's for some benefit. 
The gifts of the Spirit are not personal, permanent possessions. They're not for you. (laughs) They're for the glory of God and for the good of others. They're for love. And now we might say, well, that's obvious. Yeah, exactly. But it is so counter to our egocentric, individualistic, and competitive world. Because in this world, what we do is we take our gifts and we, our talents and our experiences and we use them to get ahead. Survival of the fittest. It, it's all about being successful and making your place in life. Most of my children now have finally outgrown the Disney Channel, although, of course, they you know, did Disney Plus and like, blah, it's all back again. But we're mostly beyond, not quite, but mostly beyond all those tweener shows, except when somebody gets nostalgic and goes back and watches them again. But I used to just groan every time because the message was so clear to these kids, right? You want to be someone, first of all, you want to be someone, you need to be with someone. You got to have a boyfriend. You got to have a girlfriend. You got to be in love. Great. But second of all, The most important thing and the message that was so absolutely clear was that the best thing you could ever do, the most important thing is to be a rock star, a movie star, be on center stage. There was camp rock and high school musical and blah, 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 blah. Oh, it was every kid's dream. But here's the thing. Those of us who are actively parenting or many of us actively grandparenting or aunting or uncling, Influencing either Disney and the entertainment and the sports and the materialistic and capitalistic industries of our culture are going to teach our children, or we can. See, we absolutely want to help our children discover their identity and their gifts and their talents. Absolutely. They are unique and unrepeatable and irreplaceable, but that should not give them an ego. It should make them grateful. They are a work of art that is made to glorify the artist. These things are not for them to hoard to themselves and use to get ahead. It is for the benefit of others. These gifts are given so that they can be a sincere sincere gift of themselves. And so we must evaluate what's the path that we're leading them on. As they think ahead about college or career perhaps, is it simply about what they like and what they're interested in and where they shine and what they're good and what's going to make them successful and do well financially? Is that how they make decisions? Or is it teaching them, what does God want you to do with your life? Why did He give you all of those gifts? I'm convinced that this is why many of our young people, young adults, struggle and even what we call a failure to launch. Because all of their lives, they've had everything catered to them. They've been told to make themselves happy, to do with their lives whatever they want. And then it comes to these big decisions, and they're told, you know, make yourself happy. Find something you want to do. And I think deep down they realize it's shallow that it doesn't work, that they're really made to be more than that. What we really want, what they really want is to make a difference. They want to have an impact. But all they've ever been told is to look at themselves, and so they don't know how, and therefore they don't care. And I think it's why even some of us in middle of age, on paper, we're doing great, successful, 
making a lot of money, but we're bored, and we're burnt out, and we're unfulfilled, and we're empty, because we too want purpose. We want to make a difference. Maybe it's time for you to rediscover or discover for the very first time the gifts and the ministries and the experiences that God gave to you and the reason why he gave them to you. Because just as I started in this homily, my friends, we are in the final epoch. We're in the last days until Jesus comes again. And he's filling all things through his Holy Spirit. And he's inviting us to participate in that. And he's gifting us to do it. Let me give you a moment to pray personally. Or maybe you pray for yourself. Maybe you want to pray for your child, your grandchild. But ask and pray about this. What are my unique, unrepeatable, irreplaceable gifts, ministries, and experiences? And how do I use them not for me, but to glorify God and for the good of others? What's my place at this time on the planet?